Well, God, you have been so faithful to us as individuals, and you've been so faithful to us as a church. And so now, God, we simply come and we begin with a prayer of thanksgiving, of thanking you for all the many blessings, God, that you have given to us. And Jesus, I pray right now that you would remove anything in my life that would keep people from truly being able to hear from you this morning. And Lord, that people's ears would be open, their hearts would be receptive, and that through the power of your Holy Spirit, God, you would come and you would move in each of our lives today. I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Have you ever come up against a problem or maybe some kind of fear and it hit you in the face so hard that you thought to yourself, you know what, this is going to be impossible to overcome. Have you, have you ever experienced that before in your life? Where you've ever come up with a problem or experience and you're like, you know what, it's going to be impossible for me to overcome this. Well, uh, in elementary school, I hit my problem, and here it is right here, called the school bus. I hated going on the school bus. And part of the reason why I hated the school bus so much is because the driver was mean, he chewed tobacco and smoked in the bus. Yeah, check that out. (laughs) Sit down, kids! Okay? That's what I dealt with. And uh, all the kids were really, really loud. It was a really loud bus. And then I experienced... The first time in my life being bullied, and we have a picture of my bully right here, (laughs) Tiffany Walls. Go ahead, Google it and send her something mean. I don't care. (laughs) Just joking. Not really. But um, Tiffany Walls was the meanest girl I had ever known, much meaner than any boy, even with facial hair. So let's... Give her some facial hair. <laughs> Isn't it true, though, you have someone in elementary school that was so mean to you, you'd like to do that. You're, you're like, well, I'm a Christian now. Yeah, right, we know, okay. Well, uh, since that experience was so, so bad in elementary school, I was really worried about, uh, let's give Tiffany a break. You can take her off. Um, I, I was so concerned that, what might happen is that middle school would even be worse than what elementary school was. Because in middle school, you'll remember, it's a very difficult time because you have more responsibilities. And we have a little video, remember experiencing this. Did any of you have to go through therapy? You know what I mean? I did, middle school. I had to go through, you know, opening the locker therapy. It was so difficult. So suffice to say, when I got ready for middle school, I was a stress of a mess because I knew all of this stuff was going to be happening, all this new stuff, lockers, going to different classes, 
on a bus with different people, and I was just overwhelmed. And the night before I started seventh grade, before I started uh, what was junior high school back then, middle school, I was so fearful and so scared that I remember uh, just breaking down in front of my mom, which no teenage boy wants to do, okay? And just told her that, you know, it's going to be a horrible day. It's impossible. It's impossible that I could have any peace tomorrow. It's just going to be horrible. And so my mom asked me, she said, well, have you prayed about it? And I remember saying something like this. I prayed all summer long and God has not answered my prayer because God can't answer this impossible prayer because God doesn't speak. And I remember my mom grabbing me at that time by the arm and going, Boy, yes, God does speak, and this is what we're going to do. I want you to write down your prayer that you think is impossible of not having peace tomorrow, and we're going to put it into a Bible, and we're going to pray and believe that God is going to give you a great day. And as a teenage boy, I'm like, Oh, great, you know, great. And so I did. I wrote it all out. I put it in the Bible. I went to bed that night. And I tossed and turned. And then all of a sudden, I experienced something in my life that I had never experienced before. I got a whisper from God. And it wasn't audibly, but just in my mind, sensing God saying, Chris, don't worry about tomorrow. I'm going to be with you every step of the way. And he was. And it was a great, great day. You see, folks, I thought it was impossible to get through that first day of middle school. But what I experienced was the power of God coming into my life and speaking to me, again, not in an audible voice, but in my spirit of saying, it's going to be all right. And that became a defining moment of my life. Now, maybe some of you are sitting there today and you're like, hey, Chris, uh, nice story. I like the you know little humor there. But I don't have a middle school problem. Like I have an adult life impossible problem and there's no way it can change. It's impossible. Maybe it's a marriage that you're going through right now where it's hard and there's some difficult, painful things that have happened and you're wondering if it can ever be repaired. Maybe it's a health issue that you have and you haven't really shared with very many people, but the prognosis doesn't look very good and you think that the cure may be impossible. Maybe you have a job that you've lost and you're wondering, am I ever going to be hired again? Or maybe you're in a job that's very toxic right now and you're like, can I ever really get through this? Maybe you have a son or daughter who's estranged from you and they haven't connected with you forever and you're like, it'll never get reconciled. It'll never get put back together again. Maybe you're going through some kind of depression or anxiety and you are in a dark place and you just feel no light and you wonder if there'll ever be joy again. Maybe you're single and you're feeling lonely uh, today. You're, you're here at church and everyone seems like they have someone, but you don't and you wonder if it'll ever be possible that you'll find someone. Maybe you've recently had someone die in your life who you love so much, who you care for so much, and you wonder if you're ever going to overcome that pain. Maybe you're a student and you're struggling with some kind of test that's coming up and 
You don't know if you're going to pass the class if you don't pass this test, and it seems impossible. Or maybe you've done something in your life that is so dark from your past that you wonder if God would ever forgive you. You just think that it's impossible. And folks, the reality is every single one of us in this auditorium today, we have something in our life that we think is an impossibility. But this is what I want to ask you. What if you're wrong? What if the thing that you think is impossible actually is possible? You know, in the seventh grade, uh, that first day, the thing that I realized was kind of our big idea this morning, and it's this, that with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. Let, let's say this out loud together, uh, all together on three. One, two, three. With God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. Now, this is what I found, and this is your first fill-in, either in your program, or you can go on our JAR app and fill it out there as well. But the problem that I have with this is that sometimes I don't want to be with God. I want to solve whatever the issue is on my own, by myself, and I don't want to wait long enough for God to move. And so sometimes, sometimes I'm not with God long enough, and because I'm not, eventually what happens is I give up and I say, well, God's just not going to answer this because it's impossible. But the question that I have for you today is this. What would you pray for if you knew it was really possible? What in your life would you pray for if you already knew that it was possible? I mean, what is your anything is possible prayer? And I want you to be thinking about that prayer right now because at the end of the celebration, I'm going to give you an opportunity to actually write that down. What is the thing in your life that you want God to work in and answer the most, but you feel like it may be impossible for you to do that? And uh, when you walked in today, if you got a program, you should have received a card that looks like this. I'd like you to pull it out real quick so you have it ready. And it simply says on the top, what is your anything is possible prayer? And you might be there and you're like, I, don't, I didn't get one. It's okay. Uh, a lot of people in the first didn't either. If you just raise your hand, uh, we have some people down here in the auditorium and also up in the balcony, and they'll give it. Just raise your hand and uh, we'll give one uh, to you. Is there someone up in the balcony? There's the person. If you'll stand up uh, real quick so they'll know, and if you need one, uh, Jason will get that for you. So keep that, and we'll go through it. Now, we've been in a series over the past three weeks called You Belong. And you might remember in the very first week, we said that in Jesus' church, who's welcome? Do you remember? Here, I'll help you if you forgot. Everybody's welcome. Okay, let's all say that. Everybody's welcome. Okay. And last week we learned that with Jesus, who is perfect? Nobody. Look, retention. That's good. You guys are doing well. Uh, nobody's perfect. And then today what we want to talk about is uh, we want to learn what is possible. And here it is. Anything's possible. That's right. Anything is possible. So one more time, I want us to have a moment at the well. So we've been talking about this well, and we've been talking about a story in which one day 
Jesus was at a well, and he was tired. And pretty soon there was this Samaritan woman that came walking toward him to the well. Now what you need to know is that Samaritans were despised by Jews. They were outcasts, they were outsiders, nobody wanted anything to do with them. And so as this woman is walking towards Jesus, who is a Jewish leader, a Jewish teacher, he's like, you know, uh, uh, you know the biggest thing uh, out there, uh, like Joel Olstein. okay? It's like Joel Olstein at a well. And she knows how famous Jesus is, and she's coming, and she sees Jesus there, and this is what she bet is going to happen, that as Jesus gets closer, or as the woman gets closer, Jesus is going to walk away from the well because one of the Jewish rules was you had to be 20 feet away from a Samaritan if you were going to be safe. So he was going to walk away, avoid her, not look at her, nothing. But the strangest thing happened. As she's walking closer to Jesus, Jesus doesn't walk away. He actually stays at the well. And he actually engages in a conversation with her And he asked her a question. He asked, would you get me a drink? Now, no Jewish person of Jesus' stature would have done that. And when he asked for a drink, this is how she responded. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So this woman, she's totally shocked that this person would even come up and speak to her. That Jesus even noticed her, even recognized her. And then Jesus responds back, and this is what he says. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is to ask you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now, you can do this on your app, but in your program, if you want, I want you to underline a couple of words that are key here. They're the key verbs. The first one is ask you, and the second one here is asked him. It's very interesting to me. Who's doing the asking? Jesus comes, and he asks for a drink, but then all of a sudden, he turns it around. He says, but I'm going to give you living water, and I will answer any request that you ask of me, because this is the truth about Christ. He wants us to be real with Him, and He will answer any need that we have. Then Jesus goes on and He says this, Whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now, what exactly does Jesus mean when he's talking about giving them a water that will well up in them into eternal life. Well, if you go a little further on in John chapter 7, this is what Jesus does. He explains it. He says, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them, By this he meant the Spirit whom those who believe in him, that is Jesus, were later to receive. So this idea of this living water is that if you come 
to Jesus. He'll give you His Spirit to be inside of you. The Holy Spirit that will be present and within you. God will send you this Holy Spirit to always be with you so you're not alone, that God's Spirit is with you whatever you're going through. And I love the way that the older uh, King James Version uh, kind of translates this. It puts it like this. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture had said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now, if you think about it, your belly is like the deepest part of your body. Your belly is like the core essence of who you are. In fact, if you think about it, we all want to have nice cores, don't we? I mean, we all want to have nice bellies. Uh, How many of you have ever uh, seen a commercial or an infomercial that you could have abs of steel in 30 days? Has anyone ever seen that, okay? Abs of steel in 30 days. I bought one of those videos. It was a VHS 30 years ago. Guess what, folks? They lied. And do you know how I know they lied? Two months ago, I'm taking off my shirt when my nine-and-a-half-year-old daughter, Shiloh, comes up to me, points at my stomach and says, Hey, Daddy, you don't have a six-pack anymore, do you? So if any of you want to adopt a nine-year-old, we have one. She doesn't like stomachs that aren't six-packs, but, you know, that's it. Folks, the truth is, when we look at our culture, it's almost like salvation if we could have a sleek, sexy core. Sleek, sexy abs. That's what everybody wants. So if you would, I'd like you to just turn to the person beside you and show them your abs, okay? (laughs) Nobody's perfect, right? No, don't do that. Don't do that. Man, he talked about swingers, and now he's one. And I'm like, what? If you're here for the first time, sorry. It'll get better next week, okay. But actually, Jesus says this, that the core of who you are, like the deepest part of where you are, what resides there when you come to Christ is the Spirit. And he says, I want to give it to you as a gift. I want to give you living water at that deepest part. And this is the thing. God's Spirit then is always with you. And His Holy Spirit will comfort you. And His Holy Spirit will guide you. And His Holy Spirit will be a counselor to you. And His Holy Spirit will convict you of sin in your life. Not to put you down, but so that you would be closer to God and more of who He created you to be. That with your Holy Spirit, He will help you to activate spiritual gifts in your life. And the Holy Spirit will convict you in such a way that you would want to intercede. They say, God, intercede for me. I I want you to do that. And whatever it is, that God would actually speak through you in the core of who you are. And Jesus says, I'll give you this gift. I'll give you this free gift. It's free for you, the gift of my spirit. And with eternity kind of hanging in the balance, when the woman comes to the well and she's like, oh, Jesus, I want that living water. Because then I can have water that will quench my thirst, not just when I'm physically thirsty, but when I'm spiritually thirsty, emotionally thirsty. When I'm drained to the max, your spirit will come and will fill me up. Because this is the truth, folks. With God, anything is possible. 
Well, the story goes on uh, to say this. Just then the disciples came back. Well, where were they? If they're coming back from somewhere, where were they? If you read earlier, what you find is that they went in uh, town to get some food. So they get some food and they've got this food and they're walking back toward the well. And all of a sudden, this is what the text says. They were shocked. They couldn't believe that Jesus was talking with that kind of woman. No one said what they were all thinking, but their faces showed it. Have you ever known someone who messed up royally and people walk up toward them and then all of a sudden they don't say anything, but their faces show it? Or maybe even more so, you've been that person before. You've been that person that everyone knows and you carry that shame and that guilt. Well, this is what was happening. But this is the thing about Jesus. He engages with the woman and says, guys, come on, this is what it's going to be about. And why doesn't anybody say anything? Because they've been around Jesus long enough to where they realize that anything's possible with them. He'll break down racial, gender roles. He'll do anything to help people come into a relationship with him. And when this woman finally has this acceptance and love from Jesus at the well, she's like, oh, this is so awesome. And she runs back to town. But just as she's getting ready to leave, Jesus says, hey, hey, hold up one thing. Go back and I just want you to get one person for me, your husband. And she's like, ugh, my husband, I don't have a husband. I have five husbands. I've divorced all of them and now I'm with a sixth guy. But she's saying to herself, she's like, well, there's already six I could talk to. I'm not going to just go back and tell one person. I'm actually going to go and tell everybody my story of meeting this Jesus and how my life has changed. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? They could reject me. I've been rejected my whole life. It doesn't matter. I mean, I'm going to get living water now, and they need to meet him as well. And then look at what it says. Then leaving her water jar. That's why she came to the well. And she just leaves it. And the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I did. Could this be the Messiah? She went with a jar and she left with a well of living water in her life because she had experienced Jesus and the fullness of who He is. Now, this is what I want to ask you this morning. Do you really understand what's going on in this story? Because, I don't know if you knew this or not, but this is the first teaching, the first sermon, the first message that had ever been given in the Jesus movement outside of Jesus Himself speaking. And it was incredibly compelling. Look at what she says. She says, come and see. Hey guys, come on, just come and see. And then there's this real sense of vulnerability. She goes, see a man who told me everything I've ever did. And then she says, and let me just ask you a question. Could this be the Messiah? What do you guys think? Could could it be? You see, folks, it's only 14 words that are in the very first teaching sermon message ever given outside of Jesus. Now, 
How many of you would like me to start doing 14-word teachings, okay? Okay, you're, some of them are just raising their hands up here in the balcony. You don't... No, 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 no. But this message, it's incredible. And look who's giving it. It's a woman who has been married five times, and she's been divorced five times, and she's a Samaritan. So she's the wrong theology, wrong worship, wrong side of the tracks, doesn't have any money. She's shacking up with a guy who she's not even married with, woman. And you know, for centuries, one of the things that's happened within the church is we've asked this question, well, should women preach? Well, I don't think Jesus had any problem with it. I think Jesus was like, hey, this sounds like a good idea. And this woman comes up and she only shares 14 words. And how many people come? The whole town comes. And she says, just come and see this man of what he has done for me. This woman gives the very first message of the Jesus movement. And she says, you ought to meet Jesus who knows everything about me and he loves me anyway. Now, how in the world does this happen? How does it happen? Well, there's one reason how it happens, and it's because there is a man who we follow who said these words. With God, all things are possible. You see, folks, the big idea, it's not my idea. It was actually Jesus' idea. At the very beginning, he said, With God, I want you to know all things are possible. This woman who was a reject, a loser, she had been married five times, and now she was shacking up with another uh, guy who wasn't her husband, but she stands up and she tells everybody in the town, you should come and listen to Jesus. Folks, what you have to realize, this is Samaritans and Jews. It's like present-day Palestinians and Israelites. They can't stand each other. They just build walls and they're fighting with each other constantly. And look at her response. The text says this. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the... What's the next two words? Did Jesus heal anybody? No. Had he preached anything? No. Why are they coming to see Jesus? Because of what? The woman's testimony. He told me everything I had ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days with them. This is such a great story because this lady, she comes to the well and she's shame-filled, and she's guilt-ridden, and she thinks she has nothing to offer, and she leaves like on fire with Jesus to share with other people his love. And the thing is, she doesn't just tell one person. It says that she tells the town. Now, who's in the town? I imagine all of her exes. So can you imagine? She gets to town, and they all come, and you know all the exes are kind of kind of hiding out a little bit. And then Jesus is there, and the woman comes to Jesus. I can just imagine it and saying, Well, Jesus, here's husband number one and two. 
And by the way, they don't like each other. They've been fighting. They've been going off on each other. I mean, they just don't get along at all. You know that whole thing that you talk about, love your enemies and turn the other cheek? Well, you might want to direct it toward these two guys. And here's number three. I mean, he was a rebound marriage. I don't know why I ever married him. But, you know, he's here. And so, you know, he's here. And I think you could do something with him. Jesus, I talked to number four and he wouldn't come. It's the only one out of all of them that wouldn't come. But maybe he'll hear about you. So here's, you know, maybe we'll find number four. And then number five, you seen back there, it's still sensitive for me because we just recently went through that divorce. And it's difficult and it's hard and I'm not so sure. But I know you can do something with him. And you see number six, he's over there on the end. I know we're not even married. But I gave him that verse, you know, that I think it's in the Bible. Uh, if you want it, you've got to put a ring on it. Uh, Beyonce. <laughs> Uh, Beyonce chapter 5 or something like that. I'm not sure. And uh, I want you to know that uh, we're going to have premarital counseling. I've already decided we're not going to live together anymore. And so I've got my stuff. I know it might be hard, but I know it's the right thing to do. And we're going to get away from each other and we're going to work on this stuff together. And then Jesus, I was just thinking... I've got a lot of experience with divorce, so I was thinking maybe we could have like a divorce support group. And if I got all my exes together, I mean, we have a small group right there, you know. And like we could do this, Jesus. And you know what you find, folks? Is that it's impossible to think that this story could even happen because of everything that's going on culturally. And that's because Jesus is a person where anything, anything, is possible. And folks, for some of you, I know you're going through some tough stuff right now in your life, and you've walked down a very difficult path. And maybe for some of you, you're like, you know what? That whole divorce thing that you just talked about, it's not funny to me, Chris. Because I've gone through the pain, and I've gone through the real pain, and maybe it's been one or two or three or five like this woman. And maybe you're the person who's sitting there, and you're thinking to yourself these couple of questions. Have I messed up too many times? And can God still use me? And I want to answer those questions for you today. And there are two different answers. The first one is, have I messed up too many times? No, you haven't. And the second one is, can God still use me? Yes, he can. Because this is the thing about the God of the Bible. He loves to take people's stories. And he likes to take especially our biggest scars, our biggest hurts, our biggest wounds, our biggest disappointments and use them to be able to show the love of Christ to other people. And you know how I know this? Because people forever have been asking anything is possible prayers. With Jesus, anything is possible. With the God of the Bible, anything is possible. And so constantly We've seen this throughout Scripture. Abraham and Sarah, two people in the Old Testament in Genesis, they were the father and mother of the Jewish family. And they asked for kids, and they don't get kids, and they have no children for their entire life until finally, at age 100, Abraham, 99, Sarah, Sarah has a child named Isaac, and the impossible happens. A guy by the name of Moses, he comes to... Uh, is or he comes to uh, 
the Israelites and he sees them that for 400 years they've been in slavery and he's like, this is my people. And so he does an impossible prayer. For 400 years, that's all they ever knew was slavery. And he says, God, would you please come and free us from Pharaoh and the Egyptians? And God does the impossible prayer. A little shepherd boy by the name of David, he comes up against this gigantic Goliath who is nine feet tall, 400 pounds, and he's just a teenage acne kid. And he's like, God, can you defeat Goliath for me? And he picks up a rock and he puts it in a sling and he hits him in the head and he comes down and God answers his impossible prayer. And in each of these, it's like God is just ready to say yes, yes, yes. And then Jesus comes on the scene. And people come to Jesus and they're like, hey, Jesus, uh, can you heal me? Uh, Can you save me? Can you forgive me? Can you give me new life? Can you save my soul? Can you give me living water? And he says, yes, 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 yes. And at this time, I want to ask you, if it truly is that with God anything is possible, what is your impossible prayer? What is your anything is possible prayer? And so what I'd like you to do is to pull out your card that you had when you walked in. Maybe I'll find mine. Here it is. And I'd like you to start thinking about what is it that's in your life that you think is impossible. And you might be sitting there and you're like, well, those stories that you told, you know, I'm not so sure about them because that's in the Bible and I don't know what I believe about the Bible right now. And so, you know, I... I don't know. Maybe it didn't happen that way. So what I want to do is I want to share with you a couple of stories that are of people that are sitting in this place or they did in the first celebration and that they ask an impossible, what is an impossible prayer? And they said, nope, I got anything is possible prayer. There's one guy in the church by the name of Gary who had uh, worked for a company for 13 years of his life and One day he walked into his office and he sat down and before he could even start the day, somebody came in and said, today's your last day, you're done, we'll send this stuff to you. And he had given his whole life to that company. And he was devastated, he was overwhelmed, he was shaken to his core. And so he called out to God and he prayed an anything as possible prayer and he said, God, I'm almost 50 now, they don't hire people in my position, but I'm asking you, would you come through, would you make this a possibility? And in less than a month, and we have a picture of Gary here, in less than a month, Gary had a job that he's had since that day and he has never been happier in his life because God answered what he thought was an impossible prayer. There's a couple in our church named Jib and Kendall who had everything materially you could think of. And then Jib got addicted to drug and alcohol and uh, Kendall got addicted to work. And pretty soon they stopped connecting and being together. They lost everything and they filed for bankruptcy. Eventually, they went through a very painful divorce and their kids went through this as well. And one day, Jib came to me and he said, I don't think it's impossible that we could get back together. And I said, well, what is your anything is possible prayer? And he said, it's for the two of us to get back together 
and for our kids to be healthy and whole better than we've ever been before. And so Jib and another guy in the church and myself, we prayed almost daily for three and a half years for this to happen. And three and a half years after their divorce, they came back together. And I was at that wedding, and there wasn't a dry eye in the place. Because, folks, this wasn't something that was orchestrated by counseling or psychology, although those things are important and it's helpful. But this thing was orchestrated by the God of the universe who came in when Jib was crying out and Kendall was crying out, God, we want to get back together, but we can't do life together. How can we do it? And he answered and anything is possible prayer. There's a woman in our church by the name of Sarah who you saw earlier who was a part of doing the announcements and then uh, on dance. And you look at her and you'd say, oh, she must just be happy and filled with joy all the time. And what people don't know about Sarah's story is that for three years she went through a deep, dark depression feeling like work that she was in was not meaningful She would come home to her husband crying, dancing, and the arts and all of that was stuff that she couldn't even think about because she was so overwhelmed and anxious. And finally, she prayed to God for an anything-is-possible prayer, and God removed the depression from her life. And you know what God said to her in a still, small voice? Quit your job. And for some of us, we say, oh, I could never do that. I could never let go of my job. And she let it go, and she got on some meds. She got emotionally healthy. And now all of a sudden, she's in a place and living a purpose at Cornerstone for the Arts that is filling her life like it's never been before. And God answered what was thought to be an impossible prayer. In a little bit, uh, I want to tell you this story about it. Uh, We'll show a picture in a second about a guy by the name of Gary, but it's the second Gary. We we have a lot of Garys in the church, okay? And this guy, uh, Gary, um, he was a person who wanted nothing to do with God. And his family kind of knew it, and eventually his God became alcohol. Any kind, any time, anywhere. And his rejection to God kind of morphed then into a rejection for his wife and his kids and his family. And Gary was in a dark, dark place. And one day, he just couldn't take it anymore. And he had a moment of insight. And he had this, what if things could change? And he prayed this anything is possible prayer. God, if you'll help me to get sober, I'll follow you for the rest of my life. And... Gary started going to AA, and then he started coming to our Celebrate Recovery, and then he gave his life to Christ. And now his marriage, we have a picture of him, now his marriage to Judy and the family that's together, they're here almost every Sunday. That's Amber and Carly. And uh, they, they found Christ, and because of that, and God answered this prayer that their life is whole and different than it ever was. Is it perfect? No. But is it better than it ever was? Absolutely yes. And a year ago, I was, doing a, I was teaching a baptism class, and uh, both Carly and Amber were baptized. And they came up and they said, Had God not come into my dad's life and changed his life, we don't even know if he would have been there. So folks, if you think that the God of the Bible is this weak little individual that can't do anything, you're wrong. He loves to do the impossible. 
And this is where the rubber meets the road for each person here today. What is your anything is possible prayer? What is it that you need to write down on this right now? Maybe you need strength for something. Maybe you have a relationship that needs repaired. Maybe you have an addiction that you want to overcome. There was a lady in the first celebration. She's like, there's this alcoholism in me and I want it to change. And we prayed for her in the midst of that. So we're going to dim the lights a little bit, not all the way off, but look at your own paper and I'd like you to fill out what is your anything possible prayer. And no one's going to take this. No one's going to look at this. This is just for you. And I'd like to give you a couple of minutes to do that right now. And then our band will close us in a powerful song. So if you would, just write down right now, what is your anything is possible prayer? God, I pray right now that people would not miss this moment. This is the reason that they're here, God. They may not have realized it when they walked in, but it is now that they have something in their life we all do that we want you to move in. And I pray right now, God, that pens would hit paper and they would trust you for something. And I pray that you would do that now so that your name would be made great.